today michael vincent it is my oldest son's birthday he just turned seven and he had us up at about five this morning it was like christmas morning over in the dooner household i'm dooner by the way this is what the truck and that's the dude hey good morning everybody and good wednesday afternoon it is wednesday right <laughs> it is wednesday it is wednesday afternoon right so did you uh the big question is did you get to put down any legos this morning before you came in at five o'clock open? i did uh, 350 pieces All down right. on, a, on a marvel Wait. set for the kids you know what's funny though it wasn't for the oldest it was for my youngest son because uh so he doesn't feel left out. He gets like one small gift on his own. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. got like the little Lego set with about 350 Yeah, pieces. yeah, yeah. Sweet. It was a good time. Happy birthday, Ronan. Happy seven birthday, years Ronan. old. We'll give you seven little tip taps. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There you go, big man. Sweet. Love you, kid. All right. We got a big show today, too. On today's episode, we are talking about surviving peak season. We got the great Caleb Nelson, his chief revenue officer over at Stifted. He has five tips. For making it out the other end. And, you know, not everybody will, Michael Vincent. No, they won't. They will we'll learn what happens when a driver abandons his truck and the logistics behind recovering it. That's right. Mo Banabaker, he's the president at Asme Freight. He has a great story he had on social media. I reached out to him and I said, hey, would you mind telling our audience what happens in a terrible situation like the one he was telling, telling me about? They even had to set up a trap to catch this trucker on the land. We'll learn all about really? it. It's going to be good. Wow. Uh, Melissa from Triumph Pay, right? Chief, Chief Strategy Officer over at Triumph Pay is going to be talking about driver and labor shortages and the need to adopt tax sooner than later, a message we often promote here ourselves. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's uh, uh, adopting. It's very, very important. Yeah. And then we have uh, Sean Richardson. He's the VP of Growth and Development over at Tallgrass Freight. He's going to share what you need to know about, you know, great resignations going on. You want to get with the new job. Here's what you need to know about recruiters. We'll talk a little bit about the culture over at Tallgrass as well. Um, in a minute here, Charlie DeHoney is going to have a huge exclusive announcement he is going to give us. But before that, we got to tip the band. So autonomous trucks are coming with a huge potential windfall if you're ready to seize it, start re-engineering your supply chain for autonomy today. Contact Locomation at, tell them, dude. Hey, go to locomation.ai immediately after this show for turnkey solutions. All right, wake up, San Diego. Charlie DeHoney is hanging out down there with his family. He's got some great news to share with us. So, Chuck D., what's up, my man? Uh, boys, great to be back on What the Truck. Uh, I consider myself a veteran of the show now. I've seen the evolution. Dooner, you get more outlandish every single time we speak, which I love. And uh, <laughs> Michael, you're you're doing your like Ed Hockley uh, impression, dude, where like every time I see you, you're just looking more and more jacked. So uh, keep up the good work. You guys yeah, are uh, I'm the really juice, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Charlie, you know, it's funny you say that uh, because well, when I, when the, the first time we met was in 2019, at Transparency in Atlanta, and it was at a time when you had recently just purchased, I believe it was Manning Trucking, right? You were going to modernize them, bring some technology in there. You had a successful exit recently, and that kind of dovetails into maybe some news you're gonna you're gonna share with us. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, while building Manning's, um, you know, I had the opportunity to really get back involved in the in the freight tech ecosystem and became an active angel investor and uh, have recently accumulated about 30 uh, angel investments in between the time that we first met and now. And uh, that's really kind of uh, put me onto the journey that I'm on today. I've, of course, I've spent the last uh, 
nine, 10 months helping the folks at Man Capital grow Freight Mango. And it turns out that this capacity crunch has been a fantastic time to build a business in digital uh, freight capacity procurement. And so I uh, was hard at work with that team and built a great squad here in the U.S. and uh, was recently approached by the folks over at CMA CGM. I'm excited to let everybody know that I'll be launching ZBox in the U.S. for CMA CGM and their corporate partners. And, and what we're doing at ZBox is we're bringing together the most innovative uh, startups in freight technology and, and logistics and supply chain technology. And then we're partnering up with about a half a dozen now, soon to be uh, probably north of 10 corporate partners from across the supply chain. So talking about companies like CMA, the third largest steamship line uh, in the world, SEVA, their freight forwarding subsidiary, um, Ingram, the largest barge company in the world, Project 44, uh, some really, really innovative companies from the supply chain space. What we're looking for is the best and brightest startups here in the U.S., and then we're going to be opening up a best-in-breed 13,000-square-foot incubator and accelerator in Arlington, Virginia, early next year. And we have a vision of adding and establishing a couple of cohorts a year of the best and brightest uh, startups in the space, and then really coaching and mentoring those startups on the areas around how to sell to big corporations, uh, how to raise your first round of venture capital, how to build your team, et cetera, and really kind of meeting each startup where they are, developing a customized plan for that, that startup to help progress their business with a vision of partnering up with our corporate partnerships inside of ZBox. And uh, really my role and the role that my team will be playing is kind of playing that cultural translation engine between the startups and the large corporate, because these startups generally struggle with selling to large corporates for a number of reasons. It's, it's cultural, it's linguistic, and most of the time it's stamina related. So really by kind of having um, a buffer between the big company and, and the startup and really trying to make matchmaker there, that's really our reason for existence. And uh, ZBox has been very successful at this in Europe, and I'm honored to be the guy to launch this in the U.S., that's really exciting stuff, Charlie. And it, it, it's when you talk about the incubators and you talk about trying to be like kind of that mentor, the liaison, right, between the startups and those large corporations. It's not only the technology that is there, as you alluded to. It's, it's a lot of the linguistics, right? And it's a lot of the cultural things that they have to go through. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I think it's pretty obvious what you guys are looking for is the innovation and in technology and di digital procurement of capacity, et cetera, between, you know, for international shipping and et cetera. But uh, looking for those different things, what, what kind of mentoring goes on there? Yeah. So I think, you know, this has been eye-opening for me. I've, I've, uh, you know, always been in these entrepreneurial roles and, you know, everything from founder to CEO and, uh, vice president of sales. And, uh, in this journey over the last couple of months of getting up to speed within the, the CMA SIVA culture, you're seeing that there's, um, a stark difference between the way that the large corporate companies communicate internally and externally, and then the way that the startups work. Like the startups are opportunistic and they're powered by enthusiasm and energy and belief in themselves. But really large companies are, uh, you got to think of a large company as an immune system. And the immune system is really all of the people that surround the operation because the operation of that company is the heartbeat. And the startup oftentimes comes in with this innovative, innovative idea, but the corporate sees that as a germ. The startup is the germ and the people in this in the corporate are the, the immune system built to keep that germ out. So I've really learned a lot myself in the last couple of months in terms of how do these large corporations uh, communicate both in a in a written, you know, and maybe a collateral form. And then, you know, how do they communicate with each other like uh, face to face in presentations? And I think by bringing uh, folks into ZBox that have that experience within the large corporate to mentor and coach and train and develop the startups, 
really the goal is um, to to bring the startups in at a time where they they still need certain things, whether it's um, access to capital, access to customer relationships, uh, just plain you know coaching, founder coaching and mentorship. Uh, maybe it's help creating their first sales pitch deck or defining uh, an addressable market. But really, by uh, having an individualized plan for each startup that comes into the ecosystem, the entire goal is to make sure that when they present to a large corporation, whether it's one of our corporate partners or otherwise, that they're properly prepared for not only what does that presentation need to look like? What does the value proposition need to uh, feel like? How do we communicate this in a way that dispels all of the inherent risk that comes along with working for small companies? And then how do we prepare them for what that what that sales cycle is actually going to look like because startups oftentimes just run out of stamina. It's hard and, and takes a long time to sell into large corporate partners. So I think by kind of giving them that playbook before they go into these cycles, uh, which I've been on, you know, the selling side of these, uh, these startup to uh, incumbent sales cycles many, many times. And uh, by giving them a playbook that works and is replicatable, you know, we believe we can actually enhance that innovation and uh, and reduce those cycle times to from the time that the idea is discovered till the time it's deployed, making a meaningful impact inside of these large large supply chain organizations. Yeah, Charlie. So we're almost out of time in this segment. So I got to ask you, tease us. What's in the box? Who are you targeting? Aside from sanitizing germs, you get your eye on. You get some prospects out there. You don't have to say any names, but you got your eye on someone. Oh, you know me. Um, I've I've always got uh, prospects and, and ideas uh, and conversations going in the startup space. But certainly, uh, we have some defined theses that we will be uh, targeting, and we're working with all the corporate partners right now to define their problem statements, and really looking for uh, targeted solutions, largely around uh, transportation service providers, access to new methods of supply, workflow automation, cybersecurity is big. So um, in the coming days and weeks, we'll be, you know, uh, publicizing and defining exactly what it is that we're looking for. And ideally, in the next uh, month or two, we'll be taking applications for our first class early next year. Well, let us know how that goes. Before we let you go, spin that wheel, Michael oh. Vincent. Turn that thing around. Make it go. What do we got? Wheel of stupid questions okay. time for Charlie DeHoney we got in it. Chicago. We got it right I mean, in San Diego. What hey, is it? what screams this person is a big deal at a trade show? Ooh, man. I think... Uh, a couple of years ago, I would have said somebody that's underdressed, you know, because I felt like there was like this sort of subtle confidence that came along with somebody wearing jeans and a T-shirt into a business trade show. Mm. Uh, right now, I'd say what screams this person's a big deal at a trade show is that person's not there because all the trade shows are uh, have been um, have been remote. Uh, so, you know, for the most part. So, you know, I think maybe uh, people that are such a big deal that they don't even show up to those things. Maybe that's what it is. But I I really that's my excuse. Deal. Hey, Charlie DeHoney, thank <laughs> you so much question. for joining me today on the show. Me and the dude, best of luck with Z-Box. Fantastic. Well, that was right, good news, you. but, you know, sometimes not everything in freight is great news. And what no, happens if not. one of your drivers abandons his truck? Not the easiest thing on earth to deal with. This is something that our next guest, Mohammed Banabaker, he's a president of ASME Freight, was talking about on Twitter, and I reached okay. out to him and I said, Mohammed, what, what happens when this goes down? Mohammed's here now. Hey, Mohammed, thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you guys for having me. Absolute pleasure. Welcome. So, uh, hey, tell us a little bit about yourself before we jump into things here. Yeah, so I'm the founder and owner of Osmi Freight. We're a young carrier based out of Chicago. We incorporated right on the onset of COVID, so about a year and a half ago. Um, currently, we have five flatbeds and one reefer, so really heavy into flatbeds. And so, so far, smooth sailing, you know, as smooth as... You could go starting a business during COVID. Um, I would say most of the problems that we have had are 
typical problems that new carriers go through, um, especially in today's world, one being um, is hiring is very competitive. And so sometimes you, you, you don't get the best candidates out there, but you really have to work with what you have. Well, yeah. And well, in his yeah. story where someone abandoned a truck, you just said you had five trucks. So that's 20% of your fleet. If someone abandons a truck, <laughs> then you got to go <laughs> and recover big. it and all that. Hey, tell us a little story of, about that, that most recent one yeah. where um, that you shared online. Yeah, so uh, with this driver, we found him just uh, through some online recruitment, and really he had over 10 years' experience. He met the criteria that we wanted, and we flew him in, booked him a hotel um, while we processed his paperwork, and I really didn't interact with him much, um, but once we dropped him off to the yard, everything looked like it was going to be smooth sailing. I mean, um, the first month goes by, no issues at all. Uh, he even got his sign-on bonus, and one of those days, um, my apps manager calls me in, and he says, Hey, this driver went out flying, his ELD's not going on, and he's ignoring all of our calls. At first, I really didn't make much of it. I'm like, hey, maybe the truck battery died, he's asleep, let's not bug him. We'll wait till the next morning. And next morning came day, came by, and same issue, and that's really when you start to worry. Uh, and so first thing we did is we went ahead and checked his, um, his fuel logs, and we wanted to see if he's at a truck stop, like maybe, hey, we could call the truck stop and see if one of the attendants can check up on them, see what's going on. Um, and when we did check the logs, we realized that he's been moving offline and pretty much ignoring us. And at that point, it's two options. Either he got kidnapped and the truck got stolen or he's going rogue. He doesn't really want to know his location. And um, once we figured it's the second scenario, we really put on our shoes on. And we, we figured we have to stop him as soon as possible and figure out what's going on. Wow. So you're tracking him through fuel logs and through through credit purchases to see wow. that he's still moving. Was he moving along lines of where he should have been going or was he just totally off route? No, he, he was completely off route. I mean, he was supposed to be heading out from California to Massachusetts. He was actually going moving out west. Um, we, we were wow. able to log him and detect that he was in the Chicagoland area because he was based out of Illinois. Um, and once he did that, we, we were like, OK, we, we have to either figure out which highway he's in and try to hopefully call state troopers and have him possibly get pulled over because we really did want to get him off the road. Um, but right away, we just turned off his fuel card. And luckily, he was almost out of fuel. So he actually stopped and attempted to pump uh, some fuel. And that's when he, the transaction obviously got rejected. And once it got rejected, he pretty much called us up and he explained to us what's going on. And in this case, he was having some relationship problems. And he said, hey, we need to go take he needs to go take care of it. Um, but you know, at this point when you don't have your truck and just like how you mentioned, I mean, it's almost 20%, 25% your capacity. It's a really big hit for a small carrier. Um, we're thinking, you know, he has our truck, he has a lot of money and I'll touch on that later. And we don't know if he's going to be coming back anytime soon. And so we have to recover it. And so we played it cool. We told them, don't worry about it. We'll sort things out. Just come back to the yard and we'll give you the fuel card. And while he was doing that, the accountants actually found some discrepancies where, there was a massive problem and it was that he was actually, and we didn't find that this out until we were about to go meet him up in the yard. And he was actually stealing money off of the fuel card for the past month that we hired him. Um, and so it ended up that he actually took up to $2,800 and, and the, the way he was doing it was very, very sneaky, but um, it was definitely a, a tough lesson for us. Um, and luckily he actually did come to the fuel card, uh, sorry, to the yard and, at that point, we did call our local law enforcement. We explained to them what's going on, and we were able to retrieve our truck and remove him from the truck. And I would say that was the most like heart-wrenching, scary scenario that we were in. Um, and we were able to retrieve our truck. That's, that's very, very important. But 
like I told um, on Twitter is we have one truck that's right now in Texas. It was a little bit different scenario. Um, we're trying to figure things out. Hopefully we could fly somebody out there to retrieve it. But again, 20% of our capacity, it really is a big hit on a small carrier. Oh, absolutely. And I like that. Wow. You know, I watch a lot of true crime and all, and this sounded like a crime scene investigation for me. A lot of times when we're tracking, you know, killers or a guy like the, the, the Gabby Petito thing, um, uh, Brian La- Laundry. Yeah, dude. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, guy. they're looking at those transactions. They're looking at what those credit cards right. did and where the phone pings. And, and here you are, too, like Dog the Bounty Hunter, trying to get your, your truck back <laughs> from, uh, from this guy. You know, what kind of cost would you say is associated? Because you're losing a bunch of things, right? First of all, this truck was probably going to pick up a load. So you have yeah. a relationship that's in peril because you might not be able to pick up that load that they're counting on in a very tight market right now where people are just, you know, they're losing a lot of faith. Um, you're losing money for pulling the load. And then you got you got to fly someone out there, right, to get the truck and drive it all the way back to, to your yard in some of these instances. And even when you do fly them out, uh one of the big things is I would never feel comfortable having one of the drivers take a big hit for his paycheck just because it has to cover somebody else's um, big mistake. And so one thing we do is we pay them extra because the driver who is recovering that lost truck is guaranteed to have made more money if he's hauling his own um, loads. And so it's really not fair to put him in that predicament. And so we we do pay extra to make sure that the driver is satisfied that does the, do the recovery. And, um, and in that situation as well, he actually did have a load, and once we took him off, we actually had to reach out to a previous driver that we had who, God bless his soul, he, he came right in and completed the delivery within a day and a half, and we really did appreciate that from him. But at the, at the end of the day, the whole debacle cost us well over six to $7,000, which, again, for a small carrier in a very competitive and tight market, it, it really is a lot for us. It really is, not to mention the, the damaged relationships. How, so, Mohammed, yeah. looking at back on this stuff, how do you try and prevent some of this stuff or mitigate from this stuff happening in the future? Yeah, I mean, let me tell you, the thing is, you, you really, and I, I think every carrier is, is fighting with this right now, is pulling in the best talent who's not really going to do this to you in the first place. Um, and so we do what we can to attract the best talent and retain them. And God bless our drivers. We really do have some really great, fantastic guys. And so... And I, I would hope that, and that's what that was my lesson for me is one bad apple is not going to really change my complete perspective on how we do approach and treat our guys, whether it be when we fly them in, keep them in a hotel, treat them well. And so we, we just bring in the right guys, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really all you can do. Keep your head that's up and, and, and keep moving forward. And because like, what else are you going to do? I mean, like, yeah, there's yeah, always yeah. these risks. There's always these perils. And I think that yeah. what people need to understand here is that most carriers are not the yellows of the world. They're not the swifts of the world. Yeah, they are. The, the majority of carriers are smaller guys like this, that less than 100. And then the more the smaller you get down where you just got five, six trucks, like we said, that's 20, could be 25 percent of your capacity. Sure. Uh, it could be 100 percent on a given lane or a given service. And if you're dedicated to someone, even worse. Yeah, but even even so, you, and you're exactly right. A driver flaking out on Muhammad is much more visible than one flaking out on Swift Knight because yeah. the percentage is so much lower. But it happens. It does. It does. Hey, Muhammad, thank you for sharing the story for us and shining a light on it. I, you know, I, I think this is something that shippers need to be aware of, especially when dealing with with smaller partners and and being just a little bit more understanding of. Um, before we let him go, he's new here. Should we throw him to the wheel? Uh, we, yeah. All right. Absolutely. Wheel of stupid question time for you, Muhammad. We'll swear it lands. No one knows. Had a hard enough day. We got to throw. Him <laughs> we got a hard one. What do you All got right. for him? So, <laughs> Muhammad, what is the strangest interaction that you have ever had while at a rest stop, excluding the one with Dewey? Well. <laughs> Yeah, um, this one woman just walked up to me and she sung to me for a good 45 seconds, some very old song that I was not familiar with. And I never met this lady. And 
at the end of the interaction, I was expecting some kind of follow-up, but once she finished singing straight to my face, she just walked away and pretended nothing happened. And so that's the first one that comes to mind. That's pretty strange, man. Because <laughs> I mean, you're strange. still wondering, like, what was the point of that? that that's she wasn't even waiting. She didn't even wait for a tip. She just <laughs> walked away. <laughs> well, hey, Mohammed, how do people learn more about you and how do they connect? Uh, yeah, I, I would say Twitter is a is a great way. My handle is um, Freight is Life or Freight is Life. Sorry. Um, LinkedIn is one, too. I have a really long first and last name, but definitely check me out over there as well. Okay, thank you so much Definitely for joining will. us and, and sharing that that tale. Um, I don't know if our next guest has ever sang to anybody at a rest stop, but, you know, she has the voice for it. It's Melissa Foreman. She's the chief strategy officer over at Triumph. She's going to talk to us a little bit about tech. But before we get there, Melissa, how are you doing today? We haven't seen you on the show in a little bit. I'm doing great. How are you guys? Love it. Are you, uh, are you back in the office or are you chilling at home right now? Right now I'm at home, but for the most part, we've been back at the office for a big group of our team. So, um, I've been spending a lot of time going back and forth between San Diego and Dallas again, which is which has been fun. Ooh, you didn't see Charlie DeHoney out there, did you? He was on earlier in San Diego. <laughs> no, I did not. I did not. Um, but I will say I have never sang to anybody at a truck stop. So we can just... Okay, so we can rule her out. Cross, <laughs> cross her name off the list. Ma- it wasn't her. Mohammed, it was yeah. not It was not her. It was uh, not Melissa. Well, let us ask you, though. So, so Charlie, we started the show talking about him. He's, he's going into that tech incubator that CMA, CGM is bringing to the United States. Tech, huge market. Um, a lot of entrepreneurs need help there, and a lot of companies need help just getting tech in general from the existing partners that are already out there. This inspired you to write an article on FreightWaves.com. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what the inspiration was for that to, again, give people sort of a little kick in the pants and and say, look, we got to move into a tech era now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's again, we we talk about this a lot. Uh, the transportation industry has kind of always fallen behind in embracing technology, and there are so many people coming into the space bringing really cool tools and ideas and innovations that can help organizations. Um, but you have to break it down to if you are a freight broker and you can't charge the least amount to your customer and provide the best service and pay the highest margins to your carriers right now in this market, then you're going to start losing businesses to the broker next door. Um, if you're a factoring company and you find yourselves in a similar situation, right, they too have to innovate to manage the rising costs, the labor shortages that they're seeing. Um, certainly, there's been a lot of growth in that market. Um, and, and with the labor shortages, it makes it hard to execute well. Um, so they, they have to manage all of that, but also continue to create their competitive advantage and develop an excellent client experience. And the only way to do that is to leverage technology and automation. If you're still in a war room with 100 people out there trying to do everything manually and don't have business-to-business integrations, then you're not going to be able to cover a load or make a purchase decision fast enough. Um, operating effectively um, is key to being able to keep business and, and continue to compete in this market. We know that the back office can't be eliminated entirely, um, but the work that goes into it can be drastically reduced through automation and intelligence, uh, business intelligence. A- absolutely fabulous points. I read the article, loved it. All, all the points I agree with 100%. One of the dangers of doing this, and you talked about this, is, and you just spoke to it again. If you've got a, a 100 people in a war room and you're trying to do this stuff, you're going to lose relationships. You're going to lose out if, you don't, if you're not doing the best things and providing the lowest cost, most efficient uh, services for, for your clients. But you can also screw that up by, by embracing technology too fast and not in a very smart way. Uh, so how, how, do, how do people do that? I mean, when they look at this, you see, you see ransomware, et cetera, yeah. and that type of stuff. Security and, and taking, bringing on the right technology. Yeah, you do. And it's, you know, what, what has been going on in the industry is there has been a lot of technologies 
um, that folks have embraced in segments, right? They're, they're solving for one particular problem within their organization, but it's, it's not at a macro level. And so you have a bunch of disparate systems that are providing innovation and technology for you. Um, and it's, I think it's time to step back a little bit and look at the, the organization as a whole and how do you, how can you handle a, an end-to-end transaction versus a portion of a transaction in the most efficient and uh, risk-adverse way? Um, and so data integration um, through participants, that what TriumphPay is doing with our network, you know, that's certainly a way to do that and, and look at things at a bigger level than just solving for one specific problem. Um, we like to use the term, you know, an ounce of, of cure is worth a pound of, I'm sorry, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Yeah, I, I like it. And it's, it's, you can sit that one next to the the apple a day uh, old adage that we yeah. like to pony about sometimes. You know, I was looking at some of the stats, though. You did a survey in this yeah. article you wrote, and it said that, which I, I guess this is good. The tide's turning. So we're at 52% of respondents had adopted various levels of automation in mm-hmm. their paperwork approval and carrier payment process. But we're also almost in 2022, and <laughs> right. so our industry is still lagging behind. What's up with the other 48%? There, there are still FedEx packages, the U.S. Postmail, um, uh, you know, just email, right, is, is I, I feel that is like U.S. mail at this point because it's just a, a bunch of images that you don't know anything about. And so um, most, of, most of those items are still coming in and being processed manually with human, humans looking at paperwork, keying in all of the data relevant to that paperwork and making decisions on whether it's approving an invoice or, or making a purchase decision. So wait, you're trying to tell me that email isn't digital anymore? I'm shocked, Melissa. It doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like it anymore. <laughs> no, it isn't. I've had people email me <laughs> images of a spreadsheet, right? Oh, yeah. I'm like, what? Well, that's not right. really data. <laughs> so wh- where, what is the future? If email isn't digital, you got to go further. What is the future of carrier payments? What's that look like? Well, I mean, if you ask me, I'm going to say it's Triumph Pay, um, but, you know, a little tongue in cheek. But, you know, even as automation and advanced technology platforms flood the transportation industry, the successful payment of carriers still requires delivering a physical and virtual paperwork. There are still some reasons why that happens. And as uh, you know, as well as effective communication among the multiple parties, all of which use very diverse methods, technologies and labor. Um, brokerages are actively pursuing or planning to pursue more automation of paperwork and carrier payment processes, which will in turn expedite their carrier payments and reduce the headache of human error and, and the risk associated with that. Um, while factoring companies, they also inch forward with plans for automation. Many of them are struggling to pay carriers on time and still rely on outdated technologies for invoice verifications and payments. But Triumph Pay is, and, and I'll go back to, you know, we, I feel like we're the future because we are the connective tissue between those participants. We allow data and documentation to flow seamlessly among those relative participants um, and have become the foundational layer that automation can be built upon. And so when you take a, a payments network that can connect directly to the source of truth, which is the the broker's system and the factor's system, which is their source of truth, and connect those two together, um, you can certainly start getting some synergies. Well, it seems to be working. I mean, you've reached $16 billion payment milestone. I remember a few people were asking us after our last show, they said, oh, is factoring imperiled? What's happening in that industry? Because 
we mentioned that one factoring company had gone to chapter 11, so people got kind of concerned, and it, it kind of seemed like an anomaly, and it definitely isn't triumph pay, right? I mean, you guys are, are just plowing along over here. Yeah. Um, so, you know, factoring companies have grown substantially. This this freight market with the average invoice price being so high, um, so many carriers moving from um, leased on owner operators to starting their own operations has really been a driver for factoring companies to be able to grow. So it's if you're in a, a factoring, it is a great time to be in that industry. And you know, the, the volume is flowing through, the revenue is flowing through, it's a perfect time to invest. Um, certainly that growth has been difficult to sustain for a lot of factoring companies um, because they just simply can't get enough people to, to do their manual processes that they have today. So while it's busy and, and you know, the revenues are flowing, it's a perfect time to look at investing into technologies to help your business grow. Hey, I'll give you a little cowbell for that one. Everybody go check <laughs> out Triumph Pay to learn more and connect with them. And I believe you can find Melissa Foreman on LinkedIn as well if you have any more questions. Melissa, thanks again. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Thank you, guys. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Melissa. All right, now peak season's coming up. Not everyone's going to survive. You know, it's yeah. going to be, it's a tough time. So we brought in the peak season coach. He's got five super rock solid methods to help you get through Ooh, these cool. challenging times. Uh, and my, my first question to him when he comes on will be, is it too late to be thinking about peak season strategy? We'll find out. Yeah. It's Caleb Nelson, CRO at Sifted. Caleb, thanks for joining us today. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. I, I, you know, look, uh, we're, we're super excited to be back on the show. I know this is the first time I've had a chance to be able to speak to both of you, but uh, thanks so much for having Sifted back. So what, what goes down at uh, Sifted for those who just may not know? Sifted is a data science company at our core. Uh, we live in parcel data. We look for areas of opportunity um, for cost reduction or uh, efficiency improvement, both operationally and contractually with our partners or with, uh, with customers, partner carriers with FedEx or UPS. And ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, we live in that data. We provide pretty phenomenal modeling back to clients so they can make better decisions um, to avoid issues like peak season. Well, how about that then? Let's get into it. Yeah. So you, you've got five tips for peak season. Let's start out. What's number one out of you? You know, look, I, I think we're, you know, to set the stage that the carriers, this is really a carrier market right now um, to the point where we really, we really just haven't seen anything like this. Uh, COVID specifically has increased carrier capacity issues um, around e-commerce. Um, surcharges are really at a, at a record high. Uh, I would say that peak season shippers need to get out in front of it right now and plan early. That's that's really tip number one. No, to answer your question, it's not too it's not too late to get cracking on it right now. I think those shippers that um, have the best outcome are the ones that give themselves enough time to go through the process, understand what peak season typically will do to their business. And when you couple peak season on top of the general rate increase that the GRI happens this time every year, this GRI is different than any other GRI that we've seen, I would say, in the last decade. Um, FedEx just announced theirs on uh, Monday of last week, and uh, it's the largest increase we've seen in recent memory. So get out early and start planning. 
That's yeah. tip number one. Yeah, they need to they need to do that. And and, and like you said, it's never too late. This this peak season seems like it's, I mean we talk about it. It's perpetual, right? Sure. So it's, I mean the peak is a little bit higher right now, but it's going to remain well, that we way have for quite a while. Peak volumes, but now we have the peak volumes going on top of that, and that's what you're seeing. I'm, I'm yeah, at it's the ports absolutely going and everything crazy. Like we were talking about. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Number so two. what's number two? Yeah, deuces. Number two is is like be open to change. I think that's the biggest thing that we're seeing in the marketplace with FedEx and UPS shippers today. Um, having all of your eggs in one basket is a thing of the past. Um, we saw this pretty heavily in Q4 of last year where the carriers were like legitimately capping shippers on how much freight that they would be willing to accept or how much freight that the customer could tender to the carrier in a particular day. And ultimately, if you think of that as a business owner, uh, that's a growth limiter to your business as a whole. Um, so getting getting out early on having multiple relationships. I've seen more shippers entertain regional regional carriers uh, like a laser ship and on track Lone Star um, than I, I have in probably the last 15 years. Um, and most of that has to do with the fact that they don't want to be in a spot where they're capped. And the second part is, is that shippers are now getting into a spot where swim lanes and defining swim lanes is now a possibility where they want to take business that is most profitable for them. Carriers are over capacity right now, which means they got more freight going through their system than ever before. And they're going to get picky and, and pretty choosy on what kind of freight they want to move through. And that has to do with profitability on their side. Picking out and understanding what freight your particular carrier wants, what freight they don't want, then finding a partnered carrier that does or is willing to take the freight that is um, less desirable. Um, is a big one for shippers to, uh, I would say, win. But in general, be open to change and be open to being a little bit more sophisticated in your routing and approach um, leading into peak season this year. Yeah, and you know, he's talk we've been talking to more and more guests on here, Michael Vincent, who yeah. have talked about this pivot into taking on the FedExes and UPSs in the world. Now, not trying to dominate them, be, trying to become a third pillar, but trying to give you some options within the market. And there, it's, it's it's, it's, this innovation is yeah. happening so much in that final mile space. But we're even seeing some of the warehouses. He also mentioned LaserShip that are like, you know what? They're, it's actually getting cost-effective for us to move this for you with all these GRIs and everything. So let's pull some freight into our network and build some of our own density. And it benefits the shippers, too, because what he's talking sure about are embargoes. And embargoes you're seeing them more and more blatant and more and more often because yeah. those carriers have much, much more to choose from right now, right? Number three. Number three is know your data. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, the secret to understanding what levers you can pull to reduce cost or improve even the client experience, reducing transit times, et cetera, all of that is found in your data. Having a good understanding and your arms kind of wrapped around that data is one of the biggest things. I've always said that you can't fix what you don't know is broken. And the way that you identify if something is working or if it's broken is to really understand your data. And that's a great point because in operations, what you tend to do is if the phone isn't ringing, that's like the best compliment, right? Yeah. When you're on a dock and an operations guy and you get kind of desensitized to if, if I don't see that it's broken, obviously, then it's working perfectly and it's the best thing. But you got to analyze that data. Excellent shot. Number four. But, and just Number to add to his too, well, you, you, we've both worked on these data integration sides. I did yeah. at Freight Plus, you did on the, on the sonar side. And right. 
it's amazing how many companies you approach to this day that that when you ask for for certain data, they have no idea. They don't know where it is, and, and when they do generate it, it's a mess and it's on a spreadsheet. Absolutely, and it's not clean at all, and it's barely even usable. And you have to be like a forensic data scientist to comb through some of that stuff. So, uh, <laughs> so big challenge. But yeah, number number four. Yeah, I think I think yeah, you need you need a freaking PhD to understand some of this, um, uh, the, the massive amount of data that the carriers provide. And it's not like car- that the shippers don't have data; they are overwhelmed with data. I think that's the issue, and they are not facing the kind of data that they need in order to make right decisions. They spend hours upon hours in an Excel spreadsheet just to manipulate the data to get it to a spot where they can then make um, up to date information. Yeah. But I think once you have your data, knowing what you do with that data. So once you have it scrubbed and clean and ready to go, knowing what to look for and knowing how to get focused to essentially what I say, fish where the fish are, where's the opportunity? Where can you reduce the overall cost either externally with your partner carrier and in the contract or accessorial fees or internally within the four corners of your business? A lot of shippers tend to forget that the, the cost control measures are not just on the carrier side. So it's not necessarily just going through and um, you know renegotiating with your carrier or going through and bash, bashing them over the head over a particular fee that you're getting hit on. It's looking internally on ways you can be able to reduce those fees before the carrier even triggers that fee to begin with, such as, am I shipping the right box sizes? Should I be mm. splitting one box into two? I think it's also a really interesting one. Am I shipping from the right locations? So, or should I be renting rack space or warehouse space out of a different location in the United States to reach my customers faster and for less money, reducing my overall zones? So knowing what to do with that data helps you prioritize your attack plan and uh, a roadmap for not just surviving the end of uh, 2021 and peak season, but really setting you up for a successful 2022. Because it's, Guys, it's only going to get worse. The, the carrier market yeah. right now, we're talking about peak before peak even actually being here. We're in peak season without it actually being here. Traditionally, it's been middle of Q4 uh, where peak really hits hard and UPS is expecting about 5 million packages a day. Right now, the carriers are overwhelmed and they have a labor issue on their side. So having a good understanding of what FedEx FedEx announced just recently they're rerouting 600,000 packages a day because of labor issues in their sort and seg terminals, which means 600, more than half a million shipments are going uh, in a a least efficient way possible, which means it's more cost um, for the carrier. And that is going to be pushed down to the customer. Uh, That's part of why we're seeing the GRI or generate increase being as aggressive as it is. This is a problem that's not going to go away anytime soon. Mm-mm. Yeah, four hundred million dollars in extra cost at FedEx. I saw that. That Ca- was unbelievable. Caleb, we have about thirty seconds. Uh, what's number five? Just you know, say your prayers, eat your vitamins. Call Caleb. <laughs> Get your call Caleb. Is, <laughs> go, yeah, yeah call, call me. Get your systems systems in order. I would say once you have a good understanding of where you're sitting, look for levers that you can pull. And it, we're seeing customers use that data and information to make better decisions on how much they're charging on their product or their profit margin, um, looking at their shipping policies or looking at, um, you know, uh, supplemental information like ERP data or point of shipment systems so that they can better route it. At the end of the day, this is where Sifted comes in to, to completely help out. 
like I said, we live in this data world. We are data experts. And our job is to go through and do all of these things for our clients to help come back with this proper game plan. And it's not like we just give you the game plan and say, good luck. We assign a logistics engineer to your account and say, let's go tackle it together. It's a beautiful mix between technology of software and uh, personnel and knowledge base that we have internally in Sifted. Nice. That was a shot clock, too. You just beat it. So, Caleb, before we let you go, I'm going to recycle it because I'm curious about this question. What screams? So you're at a conference. You're back at a conference. You haven't been in one in a long time. You're looking around the room. You don't recognize everybody. What screams? I'm a big deal. You're just you're like, who am I going to go approach? Who who should I sell to? What what do you look for? Um, That's a really good question. Uh, Honestly, Sifted is a is a right fit for um, any ah, FedEx or UPS. Oh, come, oh, come on, you're, you're Caleb. Not Caleb, Caleb get out of here. Bring the next guest up. <laughs> oh, that was not a pitch session. That was a funny answer yeah, session, Caleb. We'll answer. get to you next time. All right, our next guest is uh, Sean Richardson. You're God. getting gonged. Now, Sean, did you gonged. hear that? If you, if you try to answer a stupid question with a pitch, you're getting gonged well, right off yeah, the show. We should, yeah. we should Sean, have told people that. Sean you know? Richardson, VP of Growth and Development over at Tallgrass Freight Company, is here to join us right now. Sean, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I don't know how I follow getting gonged like Caleb did, but uh, but no, I really appreciate you guys having me on. You know, I love everything you guys do, all the content you guys put out. So keep up the great work. Hey, yeah. that's not a gong. That's not a gong. Hey, flattery, sucking up, that's all good stuff yeah. right there. That's what we hey, like. Hey, you got to start off Production. the right foot. Can we get extension on time today so this guy can praise us for longer as we just sit here listening to him? <laughs> we'll see if that happens. I'll tell you what right. in the I chat. I didn't even put this thing back in right. Uh, t- tell us a little bit about uh, Tallgrass and everything before we jump into it and talk a little bit about this uh, this recruiting market and also managing and building relationships in um, in this perpetual peak season. Sure, sure. So Tallgrass Freight is uh, an agent-based freight program um, headquartered out of the Kansas City market. We're based in Shawnee, Kansas. Um, it's kind of got a, a great start, a story for a startup. You know, Damon, our owner, started it out of his farmhouse in 2012, and we're getting ready to celebrate our 10-year anniversary next year in 2022. Um, but, um, you know, we're really focusing on trying to build build an agent-based company, you know, with, with the right people, building it the right way. Uh, with like-minded people, because um, I think what you'll find, and, and we'll probably get into later on in the conversation, is you know, you know, Tallgrass Freight really is a family. It, it's a community of, of of people that want to maximize their potential. They really want to build a legacy, not only for themselves but also their family in the long term. Yeah. So, Sean, I was you know going through the website uh, and, and reading through there the story that is there from the very beginning, from the from the founder and uh, and growing it, it, it is quite evident what you guys are looking for in that family. Mm-hmm. As you grow, though, I mean, he's growing there. How, what are you looking for? How do you keep that going? That's the, that's the conversation, right? You, this tremendous growth. Yeah. How do you keep that culture the way you want it to be? That's not easy. What are you looking for? Well, it's definitely not easy. I mean, especially, uh, you know, in the current you know scenario and the situation we find ourselves in, it poses a lot of unique problems and, and obstacles you got to overcome. But, um, you know, the one thing you'll find with tall grass is, is complacency is, is not a word, you know, we say at all. It's all about how do we get better, continue growth. Um, but it comes down to people. We, we've got to find good quality people. The whole backbone and the cornerstone for our success um, has been the type of people we have that we work with on a day-to-day uh, day-to-day scenario. And uh, we look to find like-minded people. We want hardworking, um, experienced freight agents, freight brokers that are looking to, again, maximize their potential, especially in this current marketplace. Um, you know, a lot of people are reevaluating their current situation, where they're currently working out, and is this the best spot for me? Am I getting the most out of my current situation? And can I be doing better elsewhere? And uh, we look at it as an opportunity to just 
um, you know, put uh, what Tallgrass has on display and say, hey, you can come here. Let's put a blueprint in place for you guys to really take your business to the next level. Get ready to bet on yourself, make your own business decisions and have a lasting impact afterwards. Now, there's a term in media, it's called earned media. And what that means is that um, that's like someone puts it, Muhammad, he puts a great tweet. He tells that yeah. story out there. Come on the show. Tell our audience. Okay. How he got on here, Sean, how you got on was actually social proof for this earned media was that Jennifer Kembar, she had recently joined on with you and she DM'd me on LinkedIn and she, um, I talked to her actually beforehand when she was at a previous company, she joined on with you and she was like, you know, I've worked for a few places now. This tall grass is the best place I, I've worked for. No kidding. And to me, that social roof is worth exploring. Why do you, like, why are new people joining you? Why are, how, why are they raving about tall grass in the less salesy way as possible? Like, what, what really is cool? <laughs> it's all about how you treat people. Um, you know, we understand everybody's unique, you know, specifically with, with, with Jen. And, you know, she's just uh, been a great representation of the company from the day she started and continues to be so forth. So we're very fortunate to have her. You know, but, you know, there's a lot of options for people to, to choose from when they're considering where to take their career and how they want to grow it. Um, we've got to be able to put ourselves in a position where we want to be the home where the best of the best want to come. That, that is our goal. We want to be the best freight brokerage in the United States. Um, and that starts with bringing on the best possible people and talent. But once you bring them on, um, you've got to be able to provide them support. You got to let them know that they're not flying solo. Um, you know, anytime they have questions, concerns, you know, there's someone they can reach out to. You know, our business owners, our agents, they all have my cell phone number. I know when they have questions, if they're calling me, you know, 10 o'clock on a Tuesday night, they're probably not calling me to, to, you know, shoot the breeze or talk about their fantasy team. I know they've got an issue and they need help with, but, you know, we've got to be, you know, in that spot where, you know, when they need help, they will get the help that's needed. Um, and also, Going back to understanding the needs and what the dreams and aspirations are for every person, I think is critical. Yeah, Everybody's let's, let's, hold on, Sean, let's touch on that really quick, because one thing that's come up a lot, I've, I speak to everybody during this great resignation who has, mm -hmm. everybody I know that has left their jobs, right? And, yeah. and I, I keep asking them, like, was it, why did you go? And, you know, one of the answers I get, some is money, some is like, I, I didn't like the company, there's great opportunity, I could get promoted, I'm only going to get X amount here, I can do it, which is completely understandable. But sure. one, one, another theme I hear a lot is people are like, look, this pandemic's been weighing down on me. I've been stuck in this remote world. I've lost touch with the culture of the job I was at. I didn't, you know, it was okay. It was yeah, fine, yeah, but there's yeah. other opportunities out there. And I think that, like, how do you keep people from experiencing that wanderlust and, and want to stay? Those people who might be a little bit on the cusp right now. Yeah, well, and that's, especially in the remote environment, that's a big challenge because, you know, I would say, you know, 90% of our business owners are remote. You know, we're, we're growing almost over, uh, getting to the point of 90 independent business owners. Um, and then trying to make them feel like they're involved, like they have a voice is key. You know, we recently just uh, released our own proprietary TMS platform, you know, reinvesting a substantial amount of capital for our business owners so they can maximize their potential. But we, what we want them to do is to have that clear, consistent voice going forward and communicate with us for the next phase of what the technology is going to look like. What do they want? What do they need? Um, and besides with that, you know, Twice a year, what we do is we hold agent roundtables. We want to fly in our agents um, to Kansas City, um, you know, put them in front of some of our existing veteran agents and just have an open discussion, an open roundtable on what the best practices are to get these veteran, highly successful agencies to the level they're at. 
How did they hire people? You know, what were their triggers to to making that first move to bring on an operationals person? You know, what do they want their team to look like? But if we don't know what those agents' goals are, if we don't know what their long-term dreams are, how do we build a blueprint around that? I, I can't assume that what I want for them is the same that they want for themselves or for their family. Um, so we've got to keep that dialogue open. You know, we, we try to be, you know, at least on the phone once a week with all of our business owners to check in and see how things are going. Are there any obstacles? Are there any roadblocks or issues that they need help with? Any additional tools or resources they need as well, too? You know, we've got to always be consistent to be on the forefront of that communication to make them still feel like they're always part of that family. They're always part of the tall grass freight community, because I think anyone will say once you come on board with tall grass, it is a family and it is a community. And we get really close with everybody. We get to know their family. We get to know their spouses, their kids. Um, you know, we invite them to, to Kansas City as much as we can. So we can finally put a face to the name and not just a voice or a picture. So, on LinkedIn. So, so, Sean, we've we've only got a couple uh, like about a minute left. Can you really quickly? What is your outlook now for the peak season? You got your people set. You got your Asian agents set. You're, you're rocking and rolling. What's what your outlook? Well, the 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 message we're echoing right now is there's no better time to be a freight broker. You know, anytime you find yourself in a, in a situation like we find now with the pandemic, um, it's always a great opportunity for people to rise to the occasion and, and maximize what they have in front of them. I, I think right now, when you look at the, the the truck capacity issue that we're finding, the driver shortages, it's really about reliability and consistency. You know, some of the communications we have with our agents is being the best possible broker, being the best possible freight partner you can be for your customers, you know, always trying to evolve, uh, avoid the phone call. Where's that truck? You know, when's that driver going to get here? Yep. Um, because, you know, forecasting this out, I, I foresee the, the current market we're in is not going to change going well into 2022. So the opportunity for people that are are looking for expansion and are looking for be the best possible solution for these providers, for these customers is not going away. So if you're in a position now where you're exploring, are you in the right spot? You know, are you looking for a place where you can take your your career to the next level? Bet on yourself. It's a great opportunity to open up a business with tall grass freight and see what you can really, really capture and what you can really do here in the long term. And that's how it's done, Dooner. That's how it's done. Now, Sean, before we let you go, you, you can pick up the, the, the drop ball from the last question. We won't spin the wheels, stupid questions. You already know what it's going to be. You're at a trade show. You're looking around. You're scouting around. How do you figure out how, what what screams that person's a, a big dealer or someone interesting you need to go talk to? What screams if they're a big deal? Obviously, I look at how they're dressed. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, really, you know, from a from a perspective uh, prospect at a trade show, you know, I'm looking for an opportunity for people that want to engage in a conversation. Let's talk about what they're doing from the freight side. Again, if the longer doesn't walk, talk, or explode, we can haul it for you. So let's talk about what makes us a good fit for you and what's you a good fit for us. All right. Thank you, Sean. I'm going to give you a half gong on that uh, one. Not exactly what we were looking pitchy, for, but not terrible. Not a little pitchy, a little pitchy dog. All right. Thank you, Sean. We appreciate your time today. Tall grass free. I will tell you. The notes were good, but it was a little pitchy. <laughs> I will tell you. I'll tell you a great example of this. Yes. So the first time I ever saw Jet McCandless. Okay. I had no idea who he was. All right. So I'm walking through trade shore hallway. Yeah. Instantly like that guy's a huge. And why did you know that? He's got the hair, the way he was dressed. I mean, the fit of his, not, not just like wearing the suit, but he had a nice fit on. He had like the hair going. He, he just, he, Jeff, Jeff McCain was just, he's got an aura. And I think that's, I think you're exactly right. It's something that's not really explainable. There's people that walk in and they command a room. And when you see him, you, you grab them. Yeah, there's just like yeah. an aura sometimes. Yeah. That, that, Some that people just command a room. They walk in and they can command a room. Hey, uh, let's uh, go inside the newsletter. Let's do that. You've got mail. Mom, get off the, the phone. I'm like, on the, the internet. Phone. It's busy. Yeah. yeah, not fun times. All right. 
No, it's also not fun. Have you gone to fill up your gas tank yet? Take a look at the trajectory of these gas prices. This is throughout the year. They have just been escalating now a full dollar more than they were in the beginning of January. And, you know, this happens like, you know, during the summertime, right? You usually oh, yeah. see gas prices oh, go yeah. up. Traveling season. Yeah. And then it's, start, it's supposed to start dying around now. Sure. It, it has it It's just been <laughs> carried through. Um, what's one of the reasons for that? Well, uh, CBS News reports Jeffrey Bourne. He says energy markets, he's an energy expert at Northeastern University, said current gasoline prices are partly a result of production refining capacity that was knocked offline by Hurricane Ida, Hurricane, Hurricane Ida and partly a result of other shortages, even a shortage of tanker drivers. So not enough tanker pullers, right? You yeah. got some of those storm disruptions coming in. Uh, Colonial Pipeline didn't actually do anything. I know a lot of people always point to that. That caused, caused you know, some panic buying and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, well, it's like you're seeing in Britain right now, right? Yeah, so yeah, there yeah, yeah. wasn't a gas shortage, but um, everyone heard there was a gas shortage. So it would kind of like here during Colonial Pipeline, everybody went that same week, that same day to buy gas, and then no, there's no longer gas, and it causes a big problem. Yeah, that was exactly it. Issues in diesel, too. So truck drivers out there, and, and some care, some don't. The ones that are paying for their own tanks do. The ones that are paying that, you know, send off fuel surcharges, they don't care about this. But yeah, no. uh, diesel fuel prices, they've been up, and they're at levels. John Kingston re- reported this. They're at, what, three, $3.419 gallons. Sorry, trip me up because there's uh, three digits on a gasoline number. Um, they're the highest level they've been since December 15, 2014. So a lot of escalation going on there in energy. And then... We look overseas. Here's a quote from a Nomura analyst, Ting Lu, and they sent this to Bloomberg. It was, the power curves will ripple through and impact global markets. Very soon, the global markets will feel the pinch of shortage and supply from textiles, toys, and machine parts. And what they're talking about is the energy issue that's going on over in China and Europe right now. And in the three yeah. main, the heart of the manufacturing hub in China, yeah. there's shutdowns. There's, there's factories in there in, in Guangdong that have been shut down since last Wednesday. Yeah, it's not just rolling brownouts or, no. or blackouts to, to save energy. They, they haven't had it for a week. I know. It's just, this is the, the one guy was you, you, the one guy was he had diesel generators to r- run his factory right yeah yeah it's, crazy it's, right now you can't get your freight out of the Orient because it's stuck at the dock because there's so much congestion yeah. um, but it exists the freight has been made it's actually been manufactured yeah, now we're going another link down the supply chain back to the beginning of the pandemic back to the thing that started this all was factory shutdowns now you're seeing them again this time. Not even due to COVID, due to energy. And it's, I mean, there's still that, that whole tinge of COVID. It's all interconnected, but it's just been terrible. Yeah, it has been terrible. And there's more implications than just that. As you pointed out, looking at the, uh, the port of New Jersey, uh, New York, and sure. you've got heating oil there that needs to get into the U.S. Now, we're not saying that it's out there and everybody's going to freeze it, but it could cause an issue there. Yeah. I mean, here's Greg Miller, our own reporter, Greg Miller. He's just crushing it with a lot of this overseas and sure. ocean coverage now over on AmericanShipperAndFreightWaves.com. But here's just some of the markets that are getting hit. It's dry bulk, LNG, iPhones, Teslas, right? Even steel production. Steel is a big one as well. Uh, and aluminum, too. Aluminum is another new one. Aluminum, very energy intensive, right? Yeah, to, absolutely. To make aluminum. And that's causing big problems. Uh, resins for plastics. Yeah, all shortage of, of resins. And I know that, like, the narrative is sort of like, get your Christmas presents done. But uh, this is, uh, and look, we're not trying to scare you here, but this is a situation that you need to keep an eye on because it can cause a lot of problems in 2022. You're not going to see these this year. This is issues that we'll see next year. Yeah, the ripple effect's going to happen for quite a while. It's like shutting down the loop around Atlanta for an hour. It's tough. (laughs) It's hard for it to clear. It's not going to be good. Hey, you know what? Amazon, 
By the way, that's that's the What the Truck newsletter. You can get that every Tuesday, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Go to FreightWaves.com slash WTT and subscribe. There's over 5,000 of you who have subscribed to that newsletter. We've been doing it for most of the year, so I love seeing the growth, and it's been uh, escalating each week. So thank you all who are subscribers, and those of you who are listeners or viewers. Become subscribers. We cover some of the stories we can't get to on the show. We go more in-depth on some of those. We cover some of the news of the weird. It's basically like a, a reading a version of What the Truck, just much quicker, a little bit of Morning Brew style, and you'll find out everything that's coming on down the pike for uh for for the show but you know yeah. what's coming down the pike for Your amazon schedule. a brand new robot let's take a look oh, at this ad this robot. is their right. amazon astro bot right, let's uh, roll i've not video. seen gonna, this yet we're gonna react to this i heard the news i've seen the video okay. and this is the first time i'm seeing this bot what is this it's very short okay well it's got a, it's like kind of a wally aspect to it a robot it's got yes. what, uh, a fire tablet what are we gonna do with a robot yeah exactly oh, well you think he's gonna get away astro? with this one no what would your wife save? That's a thousand dollars. That robot. What would she say if you brought that? Yeah, home? she'd be like, "Okay, yeah, take it back." So, what does it do? Are you like if so it doesn't vacuum or wash the floors? Hi, I miss you. I miss you too. Oh, hey, that's kind of cool. The toy I said. Yeah, I love it. It's Astro, another robot. It's a Fire Stick on wheels. Yeah. So far, it is. Cool. Now, this isn't like the Tesla bot. It doesn't have legs. It doesn't have arms. And no art. Can it go get me a beer or anything, or just follows around and? If it's anything like my Roomba, it'll get caught on those little throw rugs all the time. Does it? Can it? Can it avoid dog poop on the floor and throw up? I don't. You know, its name is Ad. Do you think Astro? I totally believe you. What are these? Astro. Yeah. Yikes. What happened here? This guy started. I don't know. It started to grill. Somebody looked like somebody was on fire. Steve, remember to eat something green today. He died at the grill. Check. You said you better eat something else. I died over at the barbecue. Always eating ice cream. It avoided the dog. I see they still haven't learned to get the proper inflection in the voices. Remember to eat something good today, Dad. <laughs> so, but what's so I can charge it? So, but what's the utility so far? Like, so you don't have to pick up your i your your iPad or your Fire Pad. It, I, I, I to think it's so you're not bored. Now, here's the thing with the Roomba, and I'm looking at this thing too. So, it doesn't have legs. It doesn't look like it has tank treads. It doesn't look like it has any way to go up and down stairs. So, no. mobility mm -hmm. seems pretty limited. Yep. Astro. Looks like it's gonna be kicked around the house Let's a little dance. bit because you're not gonna know it's there. You can play some music. All right. Yeah. Dance along with you. Oh, keep you can company. twirl. Yeah, they didn't show the dance moves. What is on the back of that? Is that like a cup holder or something? <laughs> it like, looks like is a that cup like a storage holder. thing. Yeah, I'd call it Edith. Edith, get me a beer, will you? But it can't open the fridge. That's no, the problem. That so what you problem. could really do, so you would, you could walk to the fridge. But well, it's on you the same two, floor. Right? How lazy do you have to be? You're well, on, like, you can get like three. So you go up and you just set two in there and you go. So you're at the kitchen. Like my kids would yell, "Give me a lemonade, Dad," or something like that. And I'll yeah, be in the kitchen. Right. Yeah, hey. But like, it's not that far from me. Like they're on the they're on the couch. It it, it is. Um, I, I realize Amazon didn't specifically make this with me in mind, but I think it's a thousand dollar thing. That yeah, there it is. There's your beer. Here it comes. All right, Edith, get me a beer. I mean, so here it comes. There you go. There's your beer. She's psyched. Thank you. It's a little bit smaller now that I see it in perspective, sir. It's, it's not that it's, huge of a. It's not very big. It's the size of. What do you think? You right? have to have somebody manning the beer, uh, the refrigerator. You gotta, so you can I think it's a thousand dollar gift that you're gonna say, hey, every once in a while, hey, come on, look at, check out this robot I got. What was it do? That. You have to join a waiting, <laughs> you have to join a waiting list to get that one. Hey, yeah. real quick, your top five robots. Mine are Eva from Ex Machina. We got Rocky's robot from Rocky Four. I believe that robot's name is Sico, by the way. We got Johnny Five from Short Circuit. We got K2SO from Rogue One, and we got Optimus Prime. All right, I'm going with the Sentinels from the Matrix. Dot Matrix from Spaceball. The Iron Giant, Bruce, who was Jaws, and Johnny Cash. 
Total Recall. Oh, not a bad one. Not a bad one at all. Well, thank you everyone for joining us today on What the Truck. We'll be back Friday with a tribute to our journalistic team. Find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Find me at Vincent the Dude. Tell them how to be. Peace and love, everyone. Spread it everywhere.